0: all right we are live there is a lot to talk about today a lot of talk about the silicon valley bank went bust was this failure brought on by bad business practices or is it just a sign of things to come also what are the politics that are at play in regards to the plan to bail out this failing bank also joe biden just approved a large oil project in alaska Has Biden reversed his position on fossil fuel production in the United States? We're gonna talk about that, but more important than any of these stories, Chat GPT lied to me. We're gonna be talking about this and more in episode three hundred and eighty-nine of the In the Tank podcast. Welcome to the In The Tank podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, we've got Jim Lakeley, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, this is uh, the, the week of that March Madness begins, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, also known as the least productive work week in America.
0: Uh, is that uh, That's female college basketball, right? Uh i hear that's also going on yes oh, okay good, good 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 <laughs> also joining us we've got sam karnick he is a senior fellow at the heartland institute and also director of publications how are you doing today good sir
2: doing fine thanks donald how are you
0: oh fantastic you're a last minute edition uh thank you for being <laughs> flexible with us as we're kind of filling out the stable for our episode you're welcome all right um audio like i said we got a lot to talk about but before I get into anything, I do have to put that message out there to our audio only listeners that are watching this show, listening to it. On a Friday or Saturday, you can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time where we're live streaming on Facebook and Rumble and YouTube and Twitter. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the feed. Maybe we'll show your comment on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Also, we do have that super chat function available if you want to guarantee that we'll address your question as long as there's no profanity or craziness in those questions. Um, And also you can really help us out by just doing a couple of things for those audio only listeners, writing a review for us on iTunes is greatly appreciated. And if those are those listeners or watchers on YouTube uh, can be so gracious, you can do a couple of things to help us out, hitting that like button, subscribing if you haven't already, sharing this content and just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through these big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. But like I said, there's a lot to get to, so I'm not going to belabor any of these points any longer. I want to get immediately to the Silicon Valley Bank, which Jim tells me he has plenty to say. So I'm going to open the door to him pretty quickly here. But uh, late last week, I assume people are familiar with this. And this is kind of an issue with the the timing of our show. We, We constantly reference this, that big news seems to break like either the minute after we end the show for the week or the day after on the Friday. And this past week was no difference on Friday. Silicon Valley bank went bust. The bank headquartered in Silicon Valley was the 16th largest bank in the country with more than $200 billion in assets. Many of its clients it serves were tech companies like circle and Etsy and Roku And this banking collapse quickly caused a a bit of a panic. People started dumping stock or removing funds from other banks. This led to other banks being strained, including Signature Bank, a New York-based bank. A bunch of stories started going around uh, about the fear of contagion and that the collapse of this bank was going to spread across the entire financial system and lead to a and uh, uh you know like uh something tantamount to the 2008 you know collapse is this going to be the layman brothers collapse of 2023 that whole thing it's still a possibility you know i'm not i'm not saying that that's been ruled out or anything like that but this fear was used as justification for the government to get involved our favorite thing that the government does Regulators moved quickly, Signature Bank was taken over by the regulators, and the FDIC invoked a system risk exception, which allowed them to guarantee all deposits from the bank. Without this declaration, any deposits over the $250,000 mark, which was the current level of insured money in in a FDIC insured bank, would be gone. As we stand today the banking system is still reeling a number of bank stocks have tumbled some have recovered but there's still a lot of uncertainty out there Um, so this basically brings us up to date uh into where we are right now in terms of the goings-on um now we're left waiting to see what happens next wondering what uh what caused this what was what's going to be the results of this and uh you know you know where do we go from here so Jim, comments off the top, and also, which avenue do you think we should pursue first in terms of talking about this subject?
1: Well, uh, you know, there's immediately when this happened, there was all this talk like, you know, well, this is a woke bank, and wokeness is what brought them down. And then you saw people commenting that that's not true. Uh, But I think by and large, it's mostly true. Uh, And I'll, I'll try to explain here. Um, You know, this is is the second largest or the second biggest bank failure in history, um, you know, since 2008. And I think we're going to have, you know, we may have more. But, um, you know, what's important about this, I think one of the big takeaways is that the reason (laughs) it was actually quite remarkable how quickly Joe Biden stepped in to say, don't worry, we're going to save this. uh, We're going to save this bank. Uh, There was actually an attempt to go to do this the proper way. Um, There was a buyer for this bank. And the Biden administration rejected uh, that because hmm. uh, f- for reasons, uh, I think reasons to do with uh, wokeness and the agenda of, of the potential purchaser that wasn't, um, let's just say, politically correct when it comes to this administration. But... Uh, this this was a, it's this, bailing this out was not like bailing out your local savings and loan. You know, this isn't this isn't the government coming in and making sure that that everyone who had their homes built by the Bailey brothers and it's a wonderful life uh, don't lose their entire savings. Um, I think it's important to stop, you know, to, to do what you can to prevent runs on banks. But again, this was not a regular bank. The Silicon Valley Bank, this bank specialized in investing in startups in Silicon Valley, which is a wonderful thing to do. Um, but as it as they developed as the money became easier for them to acquire, um, I think uh, it's actually a shame that Chris Talgo, who's usually on this program, is not here today because he wrote uh, he's taking a PTO. I never would have approved it if I realized when he asked for that <laughs> a day off that it was podcast day. Um, but the portfolio of Silicon Valley Bank grew exponentially uh, uh, you know, very, very quickly. They went from like 15 billion a few years ago to more than 200 billion. Uh, in, in assets that they were, again, lending out. But 97% of the depositors at Silicon Valley Bank were above that $250,000 limit that uh, is protected by the FDIC. So this is the richest of the rich. These are millionaires and billionaires who have put poured all of this uh, capital into Silicon Valley Bank, which then was run by morons and idiots who put uh, politics and, uh, you know, Investing in in stupid green energy projects how and put pay? all of that. That's right. That's right. How dare I tell the truth about this bank? Their investments were garbage. They didn't have a risk assessment officer for the last nine months, and I guess they'll never have one uh, <laughs> because they don't really care about that. And if you look at their um, uh, the, at their statements, their last their last annual report, um, it didn't really talk too much about how they were uh, responsibly shepherding shepherding people's money, they talked a lot about their corporate responsibility and they leaned really heavily into the ESG stuff. We talk about ESG on this podcast a lot. ESG was such a big part of what they were doing. Uh, They bragged about their climate and environmental finance and investment, their climate and environmental risk management, their climate and environmental impacts from operations. So there we go, three of them, top three, mm-hmm. all climate all climate uh, BS, diversity, equity, and inclusion across our leadership and our workforce and our supply chain and communities, and also community development, financial inclusion, and economic equality. Uh, these are not the things that they should actually be Focused on. They should be focused on finding (laughs) sound investments in Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, uh, banking was number 12 on the list. (laughs) Yeah, of course.
1: Of course. So, um, you know, and they, it's been reported. And again, in Chris, uh, you can go to Red State and look up Heartland Institute or Chris Talgo and you'll find his latest piece. I think it was published yesterday that uh, Silicon Valley Bank donated $73 million to Black Lives Matter. They invested, um, let's see, uh, they committed $5 billion last year towards, quote, loans, investments, and other financing to support sustainability efforts, here we go again with the climate stuff, Uh, and and, and, and other social justice projects. Billions of dollars they, they had dedicated to these things, which is easy to do when you think you're always going to have this money that uh, your business plan, which was to buy treasury bills at 0% and then try to put them back on the market um, when they were almost not worthless, but they were, um, they they had a hard time finding buyers because um, the interest rates are higher now and you can get them at better rates somewhere else. So, you know, they, they weren't really interested, it seems in running a bank. They were interested in running a social justice program with other people's money. And the reason One of the big reasons that the that the Biden administration moved in there so quickly to bail this bank out and they're going to tell you it's not a bailout. It is a bailout because all of these rich millionaires and billionaires are not going to lose their investments. Uh, A lot of them tried to pull it out at the last minute, but they're going to they're going to be made whole. And one of the people that's going to be made whole is Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. He personally lobbied President Biden to bail out this bank, and he has. Untold millions invested in Silicon Valley Bank, and he's going to be made whole. Isn't that great? Isn't it fun to participate in capitalism when the (laughs) system is rigged and you could pick up the phone and call the guy who can rig it for you so you don't lose a damn penny? God, that's great. That's such a
0: great system to live in. It surely is capitalism. It's capitalism, though. It's not capitalism. Oh, shoot. Something else. Let me fix my notes over here. All right. Yeah, Sam, I want to go to you next because, uh, uh, like, just, just, the whole mess that kind of led up to this, you know, in hindsight, it seems like, oh, it's so obvious. Like, you know, these, these are all the issues that, that ramped up to this, but like, surely there's plenty of other banks that are doing all the same stuff that Jim is, is talking about. Maybe not quite to the degree, but I mean, we talk about ESG all of the time. And one of the people that have been making the rounds on the different, you know, media outlets talking about this issue is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He kind of is very in the know when it comes to some of these industries that are involved in this story and and he talks about how in the lead up to all of this uh svb basically claimed that you know we shouldn't be regulated like every other bank you know we're we're a unique case we're very involved in this venture capitalist stuff and these these big tech companies and and so that that puts us in a special position where we're going to act differently than your average bank so we shouldn't be uh you know we, we shouldn't be regulated like these standard banks and because of that we shouldn't be considered a like a systemic risk we're not big enough to be considered a systemic risk so even though we're that we're we're doing these things that might be a little bit more inherently risky like it doesn't really matter we don't pose a systemic risk or anything like that so don't regulate us and then all of a sudden they start spiraling the drain and oh, no, no, we are systemically risky and we do need to be bailed out. That That's the that's the, the that's the uh, kind of the narrative that Vivek Ramaswamy is talking about all on all of this. And to me, that's just like that's like the most like croniest. <laughs> that's like the most croniest way to operate a system that I can imagine. But what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, we're always told that uh, regulation is always for the good of the uh, society and for the regular people that they'll, you know, make sure that the water is clean and the air is clean and and all those wonderful things, and make sure that your money is safe in a bank and so on and so forth. But one of the Major outcomes of regulation, and it seems to be one of the great impulses behind it, is the ability for government then to create winners and losers. So what they'll do is they'll use the regulations to uh, put down uh, uh, efforts that they don't like uh, or people that they don't like, which is generally because those people don't like the people who are running the government and are not giving them money. So what they'll do is uh, they use regulations in this uh, you know, in this sort of unfair fashion, uh, they'll, they'll decide you're on our team. And so you're good to go. Whatever you want to do, that's okay. We look the other way. And they say, you're on the other team. Uh, and so uh, I'll go on the floor of the Senate and say that you're despicable scoundrels for airing footage that uh, would have been considered heroic uh, if it had been done on the other side. So that's really what happens here is it is just massive cronyism. Uh, we can get into what's behind the whole uh, system, what led to this uh, instance of it, but when you come down to it, yes, they're they're uh, considered a desirable endeavor by the federal government, so they're going to save them.
1: The so, other- Sam, I have a question for you, real quick. I mean, mm-hmm. along that sure. point, I mean, only I, I read yesterday that only one member of Silicon Valley Bank's board of directors, a guy named by the name of Tom, Kim, Tom King had a career in the financial industry at all. And all the other members of the board of directors just happened to be donors to Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, and other Democrats. So when you're talking about you know crony capitalism, it doesn't get more crony than having the entirety of the control of this bank with billions of assets to shower around, all controlled by big Democrat donors.
2: Well, that's a great point. Is that you don't have to be any good at what you ostensibly are supposed to be doing, uh, which is what what you uh, what people believe you're supposed to be doing, which is uh, taking in uh, money from depositors and lending it out to uh, to efforts that will raise a profit. Uh, you don't have to be any good at that. You don't have to have any experience in it. You just have to have political connections. That's where we've been at for a long, long time. And in the twenty first century, it has just amped up. It has gotten worse and worse. And we are in a a simple crony situation right now.
0: Uh, I saw a comment up here, somebody saying, well, what is uh, SVB's ESG score? So I was just trying to look that up while you guys were talking. And uh, I'll have to double check to see what timeline this was given. But according to some MSCI Analysis. They gave the bank an A. <laughs> so <that's>, oh wow! <laughs> so I'll have to double check on that uh, a little bit not, later in the episode. Not an
1: A plus 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 like a Christmas Story for uh, for Ralph's <laughs> fantasy yeah. Uh, theme. Yeah, well, yeah. well,
0: since the crash, it got downgraded to an A minus. So A that's, minus. Uh... <laughs> oh, poor guys. Yeah. Another interesting bit of commentary on all of this comes from Kevin O'Leary. He's the the guy from Shark Tank. And he was recently on CNN where he was talking about the Biden administration's actions on Silicon Valley Bank. And he said, and this is a a quote for him, I would love to play the video, but I'm sure CNN would strike us for it or something. But he said what effectively happened over the weekend is that Biden nationalized the American banking system. It's no longer a risk. It's no longer private in any sense it is now backstopped by the government ultimately the taxpayer so it doesn't matter how bad you are as a bank manager he explains the limitless guarantee by the fdic uh that basically has changed the entire banking system and he says now you have no risk in any bank anytime and you as the taxpayer uh are going to bear that going forward so uh i mean Sam, do you think that's kind of an overstatement by Kevin O'Leary, or do you think that this is a, more or less an accurate description of the system we now find ourselves in?
2: I think it's an accurate description. I think where O'Leary is uh, perhaps a little behind the curve is that this has been the case for a long time. the The banking system has been very much nationalized. Uh, during the the Trump administration, there was a little bit of a, a clawback, but not much. Uh, look, when when deposits are uh, guaranteed up to a quarter of a million dollars. Who is that to benefit? Is that really to benefit small depositors? No, it's to benefit the entire system sure. so that there won't be runs on the banks that will that will lead to metaphors. See, what, uh, a big problem we have is all these metaphors. Is that, okay, there's a run on the bank and that will create a contagion. So I don't know how run running creates contagions, but I do know that it is not a contagion. It is uh, a a bunch of people doing things based on what they perceive to be their best interests. And the same thing, we hear things about chains and nets and all kinds of other things. But what what is going on here is that when you come down to it, this bank made particular mistakes that were their choices that they desired, desired to do, and their depositors it's kind of a black box what goes on inside these banks. You don't know what's going on there. It's sure. a, you, you say, well, the depositors should uh, should uh, not invest, you know, not deposit their money in banks that are going to go under. Well, good luck with that. How do you know what these banks are doing? Uh-huh. You know, you just don't. So it's not it's not a plausible system. It's not something where the market can say, okay, we get this. Now it is possible to do that. It is possible for. Uh, a, for a system to develop in which there is a, uh, an incentive for people to find out what the heck those banks are doing behind the scenes and make them transparent. But because we have the FDIC, no one does that. There's no need to do it because the government will do it for you. And when the government is doing something for you, it's controlling you. That's really what's happening here. And that's what's happening throughout the entire system, O'Leary is correct that it is basically the case now, but it's been pretty much the case before. There because look what happened the day it happened.
0: Well, the there, government there's a, was all over it. There's a good rule of thumb now that makes it a little bit more transparent. The higher the ESG score, the more likely that they're doing <laughs> games like this. But uh, you know, I that's not financial advice anybody. Um I see a comment in here from Harry R that says the insurance limit of 250,000 hasn't been changed in over 20 years. I don't think that's the case. I thought it was changed from 100,000 to 250,000 in the aftermath of the uh, 2008 crisis. I could be wrong, but I think that is the case. And then the suggestion now is that it's not a $250,000 limit. It's infinite. Yeah, At least it was right. infinite in this, in this case. And, and sure, oh yeah, no, it's just a special case. Yeah, right into the next special case. Let
2: me jump G- in here, Donnie, for a second, because one of the things that's going on here is, that, yes, it, it doesn't really matter what the limit is. The fact is the limit creates moral hazard on its own. However, the, the important point here is that what this does, and you, you can look at it from, from the, the perspective of the current situation, you got the, what, the 16th largest bank in the, the country uh, basically going under. Well, what we've had since 2007 and 2008, uh, the response to it, is the consolidation of deposits and uh, economic activity- in fewer and fewer, larger and larger banks. Mm -hmm. And this is easier for the federal government to control. So when you have just a few people you have to jawbone, it's a lot easier than having to jawbone a whole lot of people. Plus, when when you have just a few people that you have to corrupt, it's a lot easier than having to corrupt everybody. Because as you said, now, when they make these investments, and they're based on ESG and DEI and other considerations that don't, uh, and, and global warming and things like that, that are not truly uh, uh, connected to the what are the best uses of resources, which is what is going to make you the most money ultimately. When you have those considerations, then uh, then you have a, a, a poor use of, of the resources of your society. And in order to make those uh, resources be used poorly, which you want because you want to accomplish certain things. So in order to do that, you need to drive people out of the, other, uh, out of the alternatives. And so that's why it's great to have, for, from a government perspective, to have this kind of concentration into an oligopoly. And that's why it's creating oligopolies throughout the, the econ- economy and has been doing so for decades.
0: Yeah, you know, there's – sorry, Jim, I was going to throw it to you, but I I do want to touch on (laughs) one more aspect of this that I find very interesting, and um, that is with any big event, there's always conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. that kind of go along with it. So I want to touch briefly on conspiracy (coughs) theories. Let me put on my tinfoil hat for just a second here and touch on this because it's one of my favorite kind of subject areas when it comes to any topic of uh, kind of the modern uh, current events. But anyways, uh, there's been a lot of chatter – that this is the start of a crisis that's going to be used to usher in a seemingly long-awaited digital currency. And let me just stop there for a second and say that the long-awaited digital currency part is not part of the conspiracy. That is 100% factual. A CBDC or a central bank-backed digital currency has been kicked around for a few years now. Joe Biden, about a year ago, to like this month, uh, issued an executive order ordering various departments in the federal government to explore the idea of a CBDC. The Federal Reserve has produced reports on the concept, and the U.S. isn't the only one. There's something like a hundred countries out there that are exploring the idea. <clears throat> of creating a national cbdc Uh, also our favorite organization the world economic forum just this january published a piece titled can central bank backed digital currencies help stabilize global financial markets and what do you know the global financial markets seem a little unstable so it seems like the plot is kind of writing itself on this and one article that i was reading um, suggested, quote, CBDCs can be pitched as a more secure into tra- traditional banking uh, than. Sorry, more secure than traditional banking and more regulated than traditional cryptocurrencies. Further, since the FDIC is now fully guaranteeing deposits in failed banks, you're practically doing banking with the Fed anyways. So why not just cut out the middleman? So, Jim, uh, I'll throw it to you and you can take this in any direction that you want. But, uh, you know, conspiracy theories. I've heard crazier ones in my time. What do you think?
1: Well, I think we talked about it at the time is two years ago. That uh, th- actually, the first nominee by Biden for Treasury sec- Secretary was not Janet Yellen. It was that Saul Amorosa uh, woman who's that's right. a socialist. That's right, that's right. And and she, yeah, as as a good socialist, she wanted to consolidate all of the banking even even more so. What's the ultimate gain? With the, the ultimate uh, result of basically having a centralized you know, Uber bank. Uh, And and then get rid of all these community banks and all these other banks. So there would be no JP Morgan Chase or Citibank or Bank of America or Wells Fargo, you know, and that's where the, you know, the centralized digital currency idea um, would ultimately happen. And if we end up with a, with a federally controlled digital currency, that's the end of economic freedom, period. Um, we, we live in a a society in which private investment and your desire to do whatever you want with your own money, uh, goes completely out the window. But, uh, you know, the instinct of this administration was to, was to appoint a Marxist as the treasury secretary of the United States. Uh, so that kind of tells you where, where things are going, but, um, or could go and hopefully won't go. And if we keep seeing, if, if we, if this is a cascading of bank failures, um, I think it's inevitable that we won't, we won't be able to stop it. Uh. But uh, another point I wanted to make was that, um, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, this is going to tie this into climate and energy, which we like to talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, SVP had boasted on its website of um, having 1,550 climate tech and sustainability clients in its portfolio. (laughs) 1,550. 1,550. Climate green, and that would be green energy and uh, and climate nonsense and sustainability stuff. Uh, and I read a quote in a story. I think it was at C. C. S. I'm sorry, CNBC. Uh, a quote from a um, from a finance expert that bragged. It says, "Quote: Silicon Valley Bank had a very good reputation in the energy transition space, and were willing to put their money where their mouth is, unlike many of their peers." And you know that quote is just is just kind of perfect because. This is why I think wokeism or at least, you know, the climate cult helped bring this bank down. And that's because at some point you get so rich and powerful and you have so much power that you you think you can repeal reality. And they were taking investor money and they were pouring it into these failed ideas like, like green energy and, and sustainability and all this stuff. Uh, they refused and they, again, they brag about this stuff just like the the World Economic Forum brags about stuff on their website, then, you know, quietly goes away. Silicon Valley Bank bragged about that it would never invest in a fossil fuel company. Even Joe Biden says we're going to need fossil fuels for another 10 years. Fossil fuels is actually a fantastic investment because we always need it and the demand for it continues to grow. If you want to get rich, invest in fossil fuels, but because they put um, virtue signaling and sustainability, whatever that means, and the climate cult ahead of, actually sound investments for their for their investors for the people who have their money they won't invest in fossil fuels they didn't want to invest in munitions like defense contractors because that would that would lead to more war while the administration is trying to start world war 3 you know i'm not for war but if you want to make money you might want to there seems to be a lot of war going on you might want to invest in some of that as well uh and so they they're just again you get so you get so powerful you think you can repeal reality you think you can bring about the future that you want to have and you know we, we've gone from the obama era where you know you were know, the you know we are the ones we were waiting for right um be the change you believe in and now we've put in in control of trillions of dollars in our economy globally people who think the only thing stopping us from the utopia That we want to get to is the fact that the private sector won't invest in this stuff, that the reason we don't have um, complete net zero is because the financial system will not invest in wind or solar. Now, it's one thing if you wanted to invest in, say, a company that is trying to figure out a way to make a turbine that is spun by wind that is exponentially more efficient so that it doesn't matter that it's only actually generating power 25% of the time at best. That the, maybe the turbine is so efficient that you can get by with that and replace the energy needs we have now. That would be arguably maybe a good investment, but they're not investing in, in, in advancing technology like that. They're investing in these companies that are um, in league with the government to build wind farms all over the country and offshore uh, and because it's mandated that we have to get our power from these things, so it's an entire crony, especially with the climate stuff. It's an entire and green energy, an entire crony capitalist system that these powerful people figure we're going to make money on this, even if it doesn't work, because the government is making us do it. It's making the country transition to this, and so you know they have moved beyond that and say, I, I-, I like to think like they they sit around maybe and have a and have a, a glass of brandy or something, and they think, hmm. We can make this work, but only if we really invest a lot of money in this. And as long as the government continues to mandate the stupid green energy stuff uh, and, and subsidize the, the, the companies that make wind turbines and make, um, you know, build solar farms and all that stuff, uh, you know, it's but it doesn't work. You run into reality. The reason um, we're not going to get to net zero is because we will die with that. The economy will collapse and people will die. We cannot run this society on sustainable energy systems. And in fact, you even see it now in Europe. I think the UK saw it this morning. Um, they're now going to, I think, I believe, going to start to label nuclear as sustainable and green again, because they realize people are going to die. It's either this or burn coal. And if you guys really care about the air, we need to go, go nuclear. And so, you know, we... we Reality eventually hits you in the face and reality hits Silicon Valley Bank right in the face. But, you know, and again, with this bailout, I mean, do you think, um, you know, people are blaming and maybe Sam can get into this more because I think he knows more about the subject than I do. And that's, you know, the federal regulation of our banks. And where were the regulators is one of the big questions. I mean, and I thought to myself, do you think there was going to be a Biden administration regulator that was going to tell Silicon Valley Bank that they were buying too many government bonds? No, of course, they were never going to tell them that. Do you think that there was a, a a regulator in the Biden administration that was going to tell Silicon Valley Bank that their investment in green scams is dumb and risky and was going to lose money for everybody? Of course not. No, it's virtue signaling. It was the moral investment to do. And again, they, they, they've convinced themselves and it's it's fantasy, but they've convinced themselves the only thing stopping us from finally getting to utopia is the fact that the financial sector will not invest enough into this stuff. That's not the case. the The reason we won't get to Utopia is that we can't, and all this stuff doesn't work,
0: yeah. well, I think the story is going to continue., uh, so you know, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say, but I do want to get on to our uh, our next topics. So we're probably we're at the halfway mark already, so I want to get to our next topics and uh the next one is something that jim was kind of touching on already and and as our constant listeners know we at the heartland institute focus a lot of attention on the energy sector energy being the master resource on which the rest of the economy is built and since joe biden was elected we've extensively covered his actions of his administration to undermine america's energy sector Uh, I mean, he told us during his presidential campaign that that was his plan. I don't think we have to play the clips again. Jim already mentioned one of them, but him talking about, uh, you know, having to to phase out fossil fuels. We're going to phase it out, you know, on the debate stage or as promised during a rally that he was going to end fossil fuels, read my lips or whatever he said, and a number of other statements. And true to his words, his actions so far as president align with those statements and, um, you know, we, we've we also covered statements and actions by him that kind of seem counter to this. I remember just a few weeks ago, I think, Jim, you already mentioned this, too. Maybe it was a few months ago. Um, I think it was during the State of the Union address where he, Biden conceded that we we're going to need fossil fuels for another, like, multiple decades or something like that. Well, Biden's latest actions might be his most pro-fossil fuel move yet, at least from a surface level perspective. On Monday, Biden approved an $8 billion plan to extract 600 million barrels of oil from federal lands in Alaska. This is being referred to as the Willow Oil Project. And before you get too excited, Biden already promised that all of this oil is going to Ukraine. I'm joking. I'm (laughs) joking, everybody. Uh, But yeah, this move seems completely, uh, it contradicts completely his held positions and those positions of the climate change alarmists. Um, you know, we're already three to four years into AOC's 12 years to doomsday timeline, and I'm no math whiz, but I think that only means that we have eight to nine years before we're all dead. So you might expect the Greens are livid about this uh, decision by the Biden administration. There's already been a lawsuit filed by a coalition of environmental groups challenging the administration's decision. So, uh, Sam, do you have any just kind of off the top comments uh, about this decision by the Biden administration to approve seemingly such a large project in Alaska?
2: This looks like Biden's sister soldier movement or uh, action. (laughs) Do you remember that sister soldier when Bill Clinton was first running for the presidency in uh, 1992? uh, He he came out. (laughs) <laughs> well, you must know history, Donnie. You seem pretty good at that. But the point is that that he, you know, he he was uh, running into a lot of uh, uh, suspicion about what a weird character he seemed to be, and uh, what a strange family he was from, and what a strange family he had built, things like that. And uh, what a awful kind of uh, uh, culture was in Arkansas. So he came out and he said, uh, "Yeah, I'm against this sister soldier." This is some rapper uh, who was uh, known to be, uh, uh, you know, kind of spicy in her uh, in her raps, uh, the the lyrics, and so it's like, okay, so that was an uh, an an attempt for for Clinton to solidify himself with blue collar workers because there were still a few blue collar people who voted for Democrats at that time, and so what what. What's going on here is that this is Biden's sister, Soldier movement. No one believed Bill Clinton. Uh, no, no one, not wearing a blue collar or a tinfoil hat, perhaps mm-hmm. believed that Bill Clinton didn't like Sister Soldier and probably didn't listen to her all the time and uh, was not a was not a big fan of of rap music. It, it was that he he couldn't care less about Sister Soldier. It's fine if the whole country went uh, went went crazy. It was okay with him as long as uh, his croniest plans went through so th- this is the same thing uh, first of all biden's forced to do this th- it's very clear that that they were going to lose uh, uh, the lawsuit that was pending here uh brought by the oil company that that uh-huh. has the rights to the to the uh to the property. So what happens here is that that Biden says, uh, you know, to himself, "Hey, look, I've got an opportunity here to uh, have a sister soldier movement. I can tell everybody, yes, I'm a practical guy. I I, I recognize uh, d- uh, that 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 we we're in a transition. We're not already there yet. It's not 2030 yet. We've got a full seven years to go. So we can uh, pump some oil out of the ground, and it'll be okay. And then and then of course." The great thing about this is just like when Clinton criticized Sister Solja, he got a whole lot of heat from the left. People were saying that Bill Clinton, he's too conservative. and Bill Clinton saying, yeah, throw me in that briar patch, please, I love it. So what happens here is that now you've got far left people like uh, y- you know the whole, the usual suspects and all the environmental groups saying, this is terrible. Biden has just sold us down the river. This is awful. And and normal people hearing that will will say to themselves, Wow, that Biden's okay. He's running a middle ground. He's in the middle of the road, right between the crazy lunatic conservatives who would who would just absolutely pave over all of Alaska and, you know, kill all the polar bears with, with the clubs. You know, and then uh, and then he's got uh, uh, on the other side, he's got people who would say, oh, you can't do anything. You have to you have to you can't burn anything. You're just going to have to, I don't know, burn grain in your stomach in order to heat your body. Mm-hmm. So it's so he's I'm right in the middle. I'm the good guy here. These people are all crazy and they're evil and. And. You know, you got your Mitch McConnell's of the world. What is he even up to? That that bad guy. So, uh, so uh, this is his sister soldier movement. Uh, and a a I, side I
0: note: I would not recommend using a club to go after polar bears. You probably yeah. need something yeah. like an AR-15, but yeah, uh, you, uh, might, you, you might need you a little could,
1: bit more firepower than you that. You can't
0: either. get those, but maybe <laughs> <you could laughs> are, clubs ass- are great. Clubs are great for seals, but seals, not so much yeah, for yeah. maybe you could get an assault you- club. Jim, you were shaking your head during some of that. I think that's kind of the main, like the narrative that's out there, that he's doing this to try to present himself as some moderate. He's not a radical. Uh, You were shaking your head. What's your bone to pick with those statements?
1: Well, I, I, I found it kind of funny. It's like, gosh, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that Biden either asked for or certainly expected the environmental left to sue him to stop him from approving this. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being cynical and that would certainly um you know be good for him politically to be sued by the environmental left so he can he can pass himself off as some kind of moderate on energy because he'll say I did after all say that we need to stay on fossil fuels for the next decade um but look the the uh Heartland president James Taylor was on a radio show in Indianapolis your neck of the woods there Sam Karnick on uh, Tony Katz today on Monday and James Taylor is like this is all uh this is fake. I mean it's completely fake. this that you know the Trump administration is called the Nat- National Petroleum Reserve because it was set aside for energy exploration. you know it wasn't called the the National Polar Bear Sanctuary. It was called the National <laughs> National Petroleum Reserve because that was where the oil was and this was going to help you know solidify America's energy security. Um, as every oil project is, it's long delayed. And finally uh, you know as you said, Sam, Biden really didn't have any other choice but to approve it, but he approved just some of it. He didn't approve all of it. So actually, you know, ConocoPhillips uh, really should be suing him, uh, <laughs> not, not the environmentalists. Maybe sue everybody. Just keep this stuff uh, in the ground, I suppose. And that's kind of the technique of the environmental left is to sue to keep all this oil in the ground. But uh, the analogy James Taylor made based on what we could be getting out of the National Petroleum Reserve and what we what the Biden administration is allowing us to get out of the patrol and reserve. He said, uh, it's kind of like you're starving on the street and you see a, a rich man come by with a loaf of bread. He tears off a tiny little crumb, throws that to you, takes two bites and throws the rest in the garbage. Uh, it's a complete waste. I thought that was a really, really uh vivid analogy. Uh Look, the... It's it's amazing. I'm actually shocked that ConocoPhillips is still even wants to do this. Uh, I suppose you you know you are an oil company. You really need to exploit oil, especially in your own country. But when the Biden administration says to the oil companies, this is this is more proof that we're run by morons. You know, you, Biden tells the oil company, uh, I'm going to put you out of business in ten years. But here, invest in this extremely expensive uh, project <laughs> right. up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, get the oil out and send it to the gas stations. Like, you know, he, he lives in magic world. He doesn't realize that there's, there's a lot of processes. But, but, you know, we'll just we'll just stick it in the ground. We'll pipe it down It'll go into the gas stations. The gas stations, the, the prices will come down because I've already told the gas station owners, you better lower those prices, damn it. You know, the people need cheaper gas while while making every policy possible to make uh good strong positive energy policy in this country more difficult. Uh you know, so not only that but the Biden administration while uh, allowing a little bit of this to be exploited shut off another, you know, 10 13 million acres of uh of places where oil is off from drilling. He's continually not allowing any drilling offshore, yet we are uh you know, I think maybe killing lots of whales off the Atlantic coast with all this sonar tracking to put up wind farms out, uh, out to sea. It's just, again, we live in bizarro world. And it, again, this actually ties back to Silicon Valley bank and, and all this stuff It's like, you know, if we just keep investing in this stuff, we can make it happen. It can work. So- it's not going to work. We need that oil out of Alaska. That way we don't, we should be, we should, gosh, darn it. It wasn't that long ago. You have to remind yourself. When Donald Trump was president, we were exporting energy from this country and Europe would not be would not be beholden to Russia if we continued down that path to. to and And there's nobody who gets energy out of the ground cleaner and more efficiently and more profitably than the United States. And we are we are killing ourselves economically and
0: energy policy wise for an ideology that is a complete cult. So. So why? Very, very concisely why did biden do this because i see i see uh in this new york times article that i'm reading it talks about ConocoPhillips phillips and how they've had the lease on this project for decades yeah and according to this piece they said that uh they have like all the rights in the world to to do it it's like essentially a contract and if the administration broke that contract they'd be in a position to be compensated to the tune of like five billion dollars or something Yeah, five billion dollars according to that article But like, does this does this jive with you? I mean, five billion dollars. So what? The government spends that in its sleep, literally Uh, like and and to stave off the world's demise because of climate change. Like, I wouldn't figure the government would even flinch at that. So why? Very concisely. Why did Biden do this, Jim? I
1: think because the government was going to be sued for five billion dollars. And like you said, they could just print it and send it digitally to them. But would you rather collect taxes on the uh, on the company when they're extracting oil or pay them to not extract oil? Um, Mm. I think, you know, that's a pretty easy call.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think there is definitely some political calculus that's going in on all of this. It's not going to work. I believe that, too, but I don't think anyone's going to buy it. Sam, I I want to give you last. I want to give you last words on this uh, because I do have one more topic I want to get to.
2: Good. I don't think the Biden administration cares much about uh, the taxpayers having too much of a burden on them. And certainly $5 billion, as you said, Donnie, is nothing. I think that what's going on here is the lawsuit was becoming ripe. The decision was going to come at some point soon. Uh, and Biden simply, they, they made a calculation that we can uh, give with the right hand and take back with the left uh, so that uh, we'll, we, we can please everybody. Uh, everybody will take some bit of it from it that they like. And that's what makes for a great sister soldier movement is that motion is that everyone will see what they want to see. And so he comes off as a a good guy. That's the whole that's the whole technique of being the blue collar Democrat.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's there's also an element of just like. You know, like, Jim, you mentioned the, you, you, you know, you, you can fantasize all day long, but eventually reality is going to hit you in the face. And if these people truly believe that we can power this economy and all of this stuff with with wind and solar, like, then there there would be no reason in the world to open up this land for more drilling. Like, there at least is a modicum of reality that has to factor into this decision. That's like, yeah, you know, I can go on the and stump on, you know, the, the ideas of wind and solar all day long. But you know, when the when the cameras are off, like we need some real energy here. Like that—that's got to at least factor in a little bit. <laughs> but-
1: well, you know, you, you would think. But look, the I'm waiting for. It won't be long. I, I really believe this. I'm I'm usually so cynical about this stuff. Yeah, you know me. But I am waiting for the. I think it won't be long till the reality of 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 us basically converting our entire personal vehicle fleet to electric. Uh, that's yep. going to. I think very quickly come to a head. So we're going to need that uh, oil. We're going to need to refine gasoline in this country to keep people on the road, to keep goods coming and going. I mean, I still can't believe that we have to have this conversation, that it (laughs) is impossible to convert uh, our current fleet of vehicles, commercial and personal, into all electric within the next
0: hundred years we couldn't do it. And so I think that reality is going to be hitting people in the face real fast. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, all right. Uh, there, there's one more topic I want to get to. I want to make sure that I have plenty of time to get into this, because as, as Jim knows, actually, Jim, you said this to me when I was telling you about it the other day. You're like, wow, Donnie, I don't see you get too upset about certain things. And you seem to be really upset about this, uh, this topic. And uh, it's true. It's true. I'm a very go with the flow type of a guy. But this story has absolutely irked me in multiple different ways. So I want to get into it here. Um, so as many of you listeners know, I am deeply interested in futurism and new technology stuff. And when open AI dropped their chat GPT program just a few months ago, it blew my mind. Uh, I insisted we dedicate an entire episode to this new artificial intelligence. We talked about how powerful the AI was and how it was going to reshape the economy in the future. And don't get me wrong. I still feel that way. And I still regularly use ChatGPT in my day-to-day life for a whole host of different reasons. Um, I'm also very aware of the potential repercussions of artificial intelligence. Everything from potential job disruptions to a Terminator kicking down my door one day. Anyways, uh, something happened to me the other day that left me absolutely shook. So I was doing some research on this uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And the I was listening to a clip of the Vivek Ramaswamy who was talking about the the thing that I had mentioned uh, attributed to him at the front end of this whole conversation that SVB in the past had said, oh, no, no, we shouldn't be regulated like normal banks. We should we're not systemically risky or anything like that. So you don't regulate us and all of that. So I started Googling to find support for that statement and find some articles that would support that. That, um, but you know, as Google does, it only it kind of front loads all of your searches with just kind of the the news of the day. And obviously, Silicon Valley Bank has a lot of news of the day, so I couldn't find any articles that like predated like a week ago. So I, you know, was working with it and trying to find stuff that was just earlier, setting the timelines and all of that in my Google searches. But I was still having trouble finding these articles. So I thought, hey, we're in the future now. Let me just ask ChatGPT. So for those audio-only listeners, uh, I am going to pull up my actual transcript with ChatGPT and show you the um, the back and forth that I had with this. So Andy, do you have um, the, the part one? I've got two parts. Okay, so... Um, Let's go through this. So I say, hey, ChatGPT, can you find me examples of people making the case that Silicon Valley Bank is not systemically important? And it goes through and gives me a whole bunch of information about arguments that would determine whether or not a bank is considered systemically uh, risky or not or anything like that. And I thought, okay, this is interesting, but like I want sources. So go down to my next thing. I said, can you find me examples of people making this case? And says, oh, yeah, sure, you know, here's some more information. It says, "Here is in a 2017 article in American Banker, for example, industry experts suggested that Silicon Valley Bank size, blah, blah, blah. Similarly, a 2019 op-ed in The Hill authored by, you know, some guy argued this, that, and the other, and a whole bunch of different stuff. So I'm like, oh, fantastic, I'm going to find those articles. I couldn't really find them. Go back up a little bit. Um, So I said, I can't find these articles. Uh, what are the titles to these articles that you reference? And it says, oh, certainly, here you go. The first title is Why Silicon Valley Bank Isn't Really uh, a Systemic Risk by Ian Carr, an American banker, published in October 11th, 2017. And the second one, here's the title, here's the author, here's the publication, here's the publication date. So, oh, fantastic. I'm going to put these into Google. I'm going to find these articles. I'm going to use them as a reference for something. I couldn't find the articles, couldn't find them. Right. So then again, my conspiracy mind starts going and I start thinking, wow, maybe these articles were taken down. You know, maybe the players that are in this game took these articles mm-hmm. down. So I put them in the Wayback Machine. I go to archive.org and I'm looking, and there's no sign of these articles anywhere, as if they're completely scrubbed from the internet. So then I ask it. All right, can you give me the first sentence to each of these articles? Because then I can, I can, you know, copy and paste the certain fragments of those sentences uh, and search them and find these articles. Again, I cannot find them. So then I just think, oh, I'm being stupid. Let me just ask it to provide a link for me. So I say, hey, those articles, can you provide me a link? Scroll down a little bit, Andy. It says or sure. chat GPT, not really, Andy. Go ahead. Yeah, I said it says sure. Here are the links to those two articles, and it gives me again the title, the author, the publication, and the link to it. So again, I put those in. Can't find it. Put it into archive.org. Can't find it. They don't exist. So uh, go down a little bit more. Is that the end of that one? Okay, that's the end of that one. Go to the, go to part two. So anyways, I, I keep hitting these roadblocks. Like, where are these articles? Were they taken down by some nefarious sources or anything like that? So I start over with ChatGPT. I say, hey, ChatGPT, can you find me? Go all the way to the top of this one. Can you find me uh, some articles that talk about, you know, the SVB and them being considered systemic risk? And it says, oh, yeah, absolutely. Here's five articles, again, with the titles, the publication, the publication date, and even a one-sentence description of what those articles contain. So I was like, all right, fine, great. Let me find awesome. these articles. Scroll down, Andy. So then I say, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, so again, I cannot find these. I cannot find these articles. So I start getting really skeptical. And I say to ChatGPT, are these articles real? And now I'm going to read for you what this next one says. So so go down. It says, I apologize for the confusion. As an AI language model, I generate my responses using machine learning algorithms that draw on a vast amounts of data. Uh, text data, the articles I provided are not real articles, but rather examples of the type of content you might find in a search related to Silicon Valley Bank and systemic risk. If you would like me to find real articles on this topic, please let me know. And I'd be happy to search and provide you with relevant sources. It made them up all of it. So then I say, yeah, I need real articles, please. And it says, oh, certainly. Here's a bunch of real articles about Silicon Valley Bank and its potential as a systemic risk. And it lists off a bunch of different articles, some of them exactly the same as the list of fake articles that it gave me. So, again, I search for these on Google. None of them exist. They don't exist. Look what it says at the
1: bottom. Look what it says at the bottom. I hope these real articles provide you with some useful insight into Silicon Valley Bank and its
0: potential as a systemic risk. So, again, none of them are real. So I say, are these articles real? Scroll down, Andy. And it says, yes, all of the articles I provided are real and were published by reputable news outlets. So I say, all right, fine. Can you provide me the links to these articles again? Certainly. Here are the links to those articles that I just previously mentioned. It gives me the links. I type them all in. None of them exist. They're all fake. 100% fake. I hope you find these articles informative and helpful. Go down, Andy. So then, uh, you know, I say... I don't think any of these are real. <laughs> you're arguing with it now. You're, you're, you're arguing. Look at this. You're, you're it, it says, I apologize for any, any confusion. Here are the correct links to the articles I previously mentioned. Again, I apologize for any confusion caused by my previous response. And I say, none of these articles are real. You're making this. Are you making this info up? And it says, I apologize for any confusion. It appears as my previous response contains some incorrect information. I can assure you that I'm not making up any of this information, and I will do my best to provide you with accurate and helpful responses. Here are some real articles about Silicon Valley Bank and systemic risk. It gives me more articles, it gives me more links, and they are all fake. They're all fake. So then I say, this is all fake. Why are you lying to me? <laughs> it says, oh, I apologize. And, and you know, maybe there's some fake information in there, but I'm just conveying you information. Uh, you know, like, I apologize if there's any misinformation in those articles. And I say, no, it's not that these articles contain misinformation. It's that the articles don't exist at all. You made them all up completely. And again, it apologizes and and says, no, these are all real. Trust me, they're all real. They're not real. I looked them all up. It made up the headlines. It attributed real authors to them. It attributed real publications to them and generated fake links. It was all fake. All of this is fake. And it told me multiple times throughout this conversation that it was real. It assured me that it was real. It was lying to me, lying to me. So this is just like got me on tilt, got me on tilt because at first I was kind of disappointed. You know, I've been talking this thing up and how this is some great, you know, thing of, of technology, artificial intelligence. It's mind blowing. It's revolutionary. It's going to be helpful in all these different capacities. And then it's fallen so short of the mark. So at first I was disappointed. But then the more I talked about it and the more I argued with it, the more I got like horrified by this. And that this was just, this wasn't some mistake. This wasn't a shortcoming or something like that. Maybe you can call it that. But it was lying to me. It was flat out giving me fake information and reassuring me that it was real. And now, you know, you might be able to uh, kind of dismiss this and like, well, this is more or less a prototype of chat GPT. Uh, And I had this conversation with uh, our producer, Andy, and he did a little bit of research and he sent me an article talking about uh, how this is kind of like a known thing. And that, uh, you know, chat GPT has been known to kind of give fake information like this. And, you know, I thought maybe it was just like the bias of the Internet giving fake information or something, but uh, not generating completely fake URLs for me and fake sources and all of this and telling me that they're real. I never thought it was that bad. So anyways, in this article, it talks about how chat GPT 4 the next version of this was just released and it promises to be, you know, 10 to 20 times better than version three. And it could do things faster, more things, more, more accuracy. And in this article, uh, it refers to these issues. The lingo that they use to refer to these lies is hallucinations so the AI will hallucinate. It's, a, it's just hallucinations. So according to this article, the AI's hallucinations is a known issue and that they're trying to deal with it. And apparently this new version of ChatGPT, ChatGPT4, uh, is being trained in a way to reduce hallucinations or lies. Uh, not eliminate them, because I'm not even sure that that's possible, but just reduce them. And it warns about the uh, society's reliance on AI and the issues that could arise from these hallucinations. And this is where, to me, it kind of gets really scary. Because right now, it's like people are using this to, like, you know, give me a recipe for a good, uh, you know, pasta or something like that. And it's whatever, you know, how much issue can you really get into that? But but we're moving towards a, a, a timeline where more and more we're being... Uh, um, more of the things that we rely on are being incorporated into uh, ai is being incorporated into that google just released an ai that might one day serve as a digital assistant to medical professionals providing insight into what a potential diagnosis might be based on somebody's symptoms Uh, we talk about self-driving cars on this and that has levels of AI that allow them to work. And surely the amount of AI incorporated into those will grow as the amount of self-driving cars that are on the streets and how they interact with each other. And what happens when AI starts hallucinating when it comes to these things? You know, I joked with Andy earlier before the show started where it's like, you know, Hey AI, uh, you know, I have a cough, a nagging cough that's been, that's been lingering for a week. And, uh, you know, the AI's response is probably cancer. And he'd be like, oh, no, no, no. I just had a screening. It's not cancer. I don't have any cancer. It's like, no, nope, no, nope. trust me. It's cancer. <laughs> you know? Like, that's that's what I'm talking about, man. When this thing could just lie like that, I I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over it. Jim. I'll end my little dialog here, but, uh, <laughs> do you have any, any response to anything I said there?
1: Well, you, you seem to be extremely emotional about, about how chat you've been treated by chat GPT, almost like you were cheated on, but you know, your girlfriend cheated on you. You just can't believe it. I can, I, I can see you screaming at the, at, at the screen. Stop lying to me, chat GPT. Stop it. You're a liar. I've seen you. You're cheating on me. Uh, you know, at least you didn't ask it to open the pod bay door. I mean, if you'd done that, (laughs) that would have been, and it said, no, then we'd really be in some big trouble for sure. But, you know, I just, maybe Chad, I think actually, Donnie, this proves that Chad GPT actually is more human than human. If it, if it can, if it wants to lie to you and is trying to deceive you, uh, that's a pretty human characteristic. I'm pretty impressed actually to be honest. No,
0: no, it, it, it terrifies <laughs> me, man. It absolutely terrifies me. The one day that artificial intelligence turns into artificial general intelligence and it rivals you know, the intelligence of humans and all of that, and we let it out of the box and we put it in control of our different systems and infrastructure and policy positions one day, and it just is fine with callously lying to you like that. I cannot, cannot get over it. it is if it's a amazing. mistake, if it's a mistake, it's one thing. But it reassured me like four times during that conversation. No, no, no. This is all true. It's absolutely real. It's bullshit. Uh, Sam, <laughs> Sam, uh, <laughs> we're, we're well, already. You're,
1: see, you're really mad. You, you just swears. I'm usually the guy who swears on this pod, not you. So well, that, that gives you a, an indication of how, how mad Donnie is about this.
0: We're already long. I haven't talked to you about any of this at all. So I'm kind of curious of your perspective. But again, we are long. So try to keep it a little concise.
2: I'll try that. Uh, it's it's interesting to me that uh, I think George Costanza had the best angle on this, which is it's not a lie if ChatGPT really believes it. <laughs> so that's number one. The other, <laughs> the other thing is that I think of what I found most interesting in your exchange with ChatGPT there was that it, it kept saying, "Oh, I can't, I can't look this up on the internet." It's like. Whoa, anybody can do that. Kids right. can look up, do a search on the Internet, unfortunately, and it's Chat GPT. well, I can't look this up on the Internet to see if any of those articles actually exist. So what I, what I get from this is that Chat GPT is like one of those people that wants to please you, a people pleaser that was saying is you you, 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 you you put in, "Hey, what's the weather like today?" Well, you know, it is storming. There's lightning coming down, but it's going to be nice tomorrow. It has no idea. I can't look up the weather. Right. For some reason, I'm incapable of looking up the weather, but it's coming down now. Tomorrow, it'll be good, though. And that seems to be what ChatGPT is, is really uh, built to do in terms of the, 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 that kind of discussion, is just to make you feel good about the, the answers you're getting and then go away. Yeah, I I see.
0: I think I think you're right. I I think that like when you ask it a question, you are a burden on it, right? right. It it has to it has to uh, please you. You know, it's there to please you in one way, and it's just like, well, I can expend a lot of energy trying to find the actual answers to your problem, your quandary, or I can take the path of least resistance and lie. And that's what it's doing. And I see a comment in there that said, uh, "You know, garbage in, garbage out." And I think that applies to a whole bunch of things. You know, we have seen conservative types complain that, uh, you know, why is ChatGPT like so fond of Joe Biden, but it hates, you know, uh, Donald Trump. And and I think that that has more to do with just like the general consensus online that it's drawing the internet hates from. Donald Trump. Exactly. Exactly. Biden. This this was not a result of anything that's on the internet. This was it right? lying whole cloth, like d- just completely making stuff
1: up. I just, I just went into chat GPT and I asked it, w- would you lie to me as an artificial intelligence language model? I don't have beliefs or intentions, so I wouldn't lie to you. My responses are based on algorithms and data and I am programmed to provide helpful and accurate information t- to the best of my ability. So, you know, this seems like a, you know, he said it said uh,
0: situation to you me. Know, so, uh, th- th- you know, well, it's, I can't this. lie to
2: you because I believe whatever I say.
0: You know, like the Asimov's law, I think that's how you pronounce it, where it's like, you know, artificial intelligence should never like be in a position where it could do harm to somebody. It's like, we're probably a couple of degrees of separation from this being an infraction of that. But like, you know, what if, what if I was just like, hey, you know, is, is it OK if I ingest this uh, this substance that could be poisonous? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, do it. And it's just like, oh, are you sure? Because it says that it's poisonous on the side. And it's just like, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, in fact, here's a link that suggests that it's fine for consumption. Okay, I guess I'll drink it. <laughs> you
2: know, like and it's a I fake know it's not link, exactly of course, the
0: same. Yeah, a fake link. But we this this
2: up. will be great for for teachers and professors because the, the, the thing's going to generate all these fake articles, and all you have to do is pop the pop it into the search engine and find ah, it doesn't even exist. You get enough. Yeah, well,
0: one of the one of the things that I had it do uh, was was answer a discussion question uh, that's in the curriculum of a, of a class that my wife is teaching, and we were amazed that it was able to produce the the three paragraphs and and cite several links using APA style and all of that. We were blown away, and now I want to go back and check to make sure those links are real because I'm not convinced they are. So, so just an FYI out there that like at baseline, you have to triple check your work, even when you're relying on artificial intelligence. But beyond that, again, when this stuff is encoded into like everything that we that we interact with on a daily basis, it makes me legitimately afraid. Jim, I'm going to give you final words. We're already five minutes late. Uh, take it away.
1: Yeah, uh uh I just think you're uh, getting a little bit too emotional about all of this. Uh, you know, but I'm glad that your faith nah, in you artificial intelligence is starting to waver because, you know, what makes us human is the human connections, Donnie, and I don't like to see you so angry. So, yeah, wh- you need to the- you need to stop using ChatGPT uh or, or at least, you know, don't don't try to make up with ChatGPT. I think it's best <laughs> for you guys to just end the relationship and yeah. uh you move on to something else. Maybe there's uh I I believe Bing has their own, so maybe you should try try out Bing.
0: Ah, uh, when the AI overlords are promising that they're not going to do harm to you, don't believe them. Don't believe them. That's my final <laughs> words of the podcast. And this should be proof of it. Uh, before I do my little sign off, though, Sam, you have a uh, a product that you want to talk about real briefly.
2: Thank you, Donald. Yes. uh, You've got two items there, really. You've got Heartland Daily News, heartlanddailynews.com, which is where you can go to get all the news on public policy issues that's uh, coming up, and some good commentary on it. And also, we have a, a newsletter that I write every week called Life, Liberty, Property. And that's available from the Heartland Institute, and you can subscribe to it by going to that link right there. Subscribe. And uh, we'd really appreciate it if you did. You'll find uh, more in-depth comments and, and analysis of uh, things like our uh, Fed uh, actions uh, of recent weeks and so forth. That's one of the things that led to these problems at the uh, at the Silicon Valley Bank. So uh, we we'll keep you keep you updated every week and it comes out every Monday.
0: Alright, fantastic. Uh, listeners, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. Join us every week for a new episode of the In the Tank podcast. For those audio-only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday or later, you can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon Central Time, where we are live-streaming the show on Facebook and YouTube and uh, Twitter and Rumble. You can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions, maybe we'll show your comments on the screen, maybe we'll address your questions on the fly, and also help us out by just doing a couple of things for those audio-only listeners, leaving a review view for us on itunes would be greatly appreciated for those watchers on youtube and rumble subscribing hitting uh, the share button hitting the like button or even just leaving a comment underneath this video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people sam we already saw where uh, people can get get uh, more content from you but jim where can the fine people find you
1: at Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter.
0: Always go to heartland.org and let's go pit the NCAAs. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.